Travis Etienne and Joe Mixon both finished as a top five fantasy running back in 2023, but we are fading them in 2024. Find out why on today's episode of Locked On Fantasy Football. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am one of your hosts, Michelle Majuk. When I'm not doing this, I'm a researcher and fantasy analyst for NFL Network. Yeah, and I'm your other host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL fantasy and betting for sportingnews.com. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Today, Vinny and I are going to each pick three running backs that we think will fade off in 2024 after having a really good fantasy season in 2023. So kind of the opposite of what we just did over our last four shows when we did rebound candidates for each position. So if you missed those, go back and listen after this. But let's just start right off the bat here with running backs. Our biggest running back fade for the 2024 season uh, after a monstrous season in 2023. Vinny, who's your first guy? Yeah, I mean, I went with the obvious one. I mean, Raheem Mostert went nuts. He is a breakout, long-awaited breakout season. He wore his jersey number and his age there, 31. He finally made a Pro Bowl and he went nuts, scoring a lot of touchdowns. And that was his biggest thing, as well as really being the most durable Dolphins back because Jeff Wilson Jr. wasn't a thing at all. Devin Achan was explosive and exciting, but he was in and out of the lineup. He was a rookie. It took him a while to get going as a big part of what they wanted to do in Miami. So I just think the touchdowns, they're just not going to happen again. When you have a career year at age 31 as a running back with a lot of mileage and a guy that's been hurt quite a bit, it's just very hard to predict that duplication, especially with – Devin Achan being a big part of what they do. They could diversify the running game a little bit more next year. So, And you just don't score this many touchdowns. I mean, the best case that we've seen is Jamal Williams, right? He went from a scoring machine to doing absolutely nothing in a complimentary role, and that easily could have been Raheem Mostert's fate here. But I'm just not going to tempt fate and go to Mostert again next season. Yeah, I will say the one difference between Moster and Jamal Williams is Jamal Williams changed teams, right? Yeah. And we did see again with the Lions with their running back scoring a ton of touchdowns. So I, I do believe if Mostert's still, you know, hanging around at age 32 and able to stay healthy, like he's still going to get a decent amount of touchdowns. But no, I don't think he's going to lead the league again in touchdowns. That was an insane amount. A-Chan hopefully can stay healthier this year. He's going to steal work. I mean, we saw Mostert production go down when all the running backs were healthy right and so we cannot expect him to finish as a top 10 even I, he finishes rb2 i don't even think he could be top 10 next year i do yeah. think he still has value right even though he's getting older even though he has injury history like if the if the dolphins are going into the season with moster and achan again like moster is going to be a pretty solid late round pick i just wouldn't want to draft him too high 
Yeah, and you just had to be wary that this Dolphins offense might add more weapons, right? They were very compressed with their weapons, Tyreek Hill. We also had Jalen Waddell not play consistently, and he's a short area option as well that could cut into the workload in a different way, right, on shorter passes. And then you expect to add a tight end, which could be a different source of touchdowns there in the red zone, and maybe a third receiver who can also be impactful down there. So I just don't think the scoring is going to happen at that rate. And there are some games where if Mostert didn't score, Michelle, he wasn't really effective. Yeah, it all comes down to that scoring for him. That's a lot of running backs, I'll say, unless yeah. you're like heavily involved in the passing game. And then that's why we're so, you know, that's why we're looking for those running backs that are going to get those targets because then it doesn't just come down to do they get a touchdown. And that's so important for fantasy if you're playing in a half PPR or full PPR league. Again, yeah, Moster, I, I can't envision him finishing again as a top 20 or top 20, top 10, maybe top 20. Maybe not a top 20 either. I mean, yeah, it's really like going to come down goes to away, yeah, If he doesn't score enough, I don't know if he's going to crack the top 20. So it'll be interesting to see. I just, again, I didn't have high expectations when I took him last year. I just, he was in my zero running back kind of strategy and like, okay, I got him and Oh, this is a pleasant surprise. I didn't invest too much in him. I wish I had Devin Achan behind him and to make it yeah. really, really worthwhile. But he was good. I mean, he came through. He was on one of my teams that won a championship. So, again, you're going to try to find that type of guy, but it's not going to be Raheem Mostert again. Yeah. And one other guy that finished as a, a really Rashad, Rashid White, right? Um, running back seven overall. He his season was so odd. It was so odd. Like he should not have been a high fantasy score. Like this is a big reason why people don't like PPR leagues is because of Rashad, right? Right. Yeah. And he finished his RB seven. Like I said, he had 336 touches last season, second in the NFL behind Christian McCaffrey. He had the exact same numbers of carries as Christian McCaffrey this past year. McCaffrey put up 1,459 rushing yards. Well, white had 990 rushing yards. CMC had nearly 500 more rushing yards on the same exact number of carries. That just shows you how incredibly inefficient White was with his workload. He also only had six rushing touchdowns. All the other running backs, top uh, five, top six in rushing attempts this past season, they all had at least eight. Many had at least double digits. So not a lot of touchdowns there. And I'm not sure the Buccaneers offense is going to be any better next year to give them more scoring opportunities, but also I just don't think they're going to lean on, on white this season as their lead back because of how inefficient that he was. They change offensive coordinators. So no loyalty there. And I mean, they were, they were the worst running offense in the league this year. And a big part of that is because their lead running back kind of stunk it up. Right. So do you think they bring in someone else and move on from white or do you think white will still be a part of this backfield? Well, I think with him, maybe he was thrust into a role that he, had to take out a necessity because he was drafted, remember, as the new James White for Tom Brady. Tom Brady kind of said, I want a guy who can catch passes. And Rashad White is very good at that, and that's his dedicated role. But I'm sure the Bucks are going to look at that and say, look, our running game needs a little bit of efficiency here. We only had the six touchdowns from him. We need a power runner to complement him. And in the end, that will probably make Rashad White a better reality player to help the Bucks, right, to win games because he won't be taking on this ridiculous workload. So I think it was way too much for him. And typically also when we see a workload 
of that magnitude, the next year, the guy kind of regresses. We saw it with Josh Jacobs. Like these backs can't handle that sometimes. And we forget that touches and targets, these things add up as well really quickly. So if you're getting those in the passing game, they're still counting, right? They're a little bit of wear and tear. They just come from a different way. You're still getting hit on these plays and you're still worrying about that. So I look at it and look, Rashad White, I think he's an above average running back, but there's nothing special. Yeah, at best, maybe, Michelle. And I just don't think there's anything with this Bucks offensive line that I've liked. It's kind of gone in the wrong direction here, right? They have Tristan Wirth still, but their interior has kind of been gutted. They're not the same run-blocking team they were just a few years ago when Leonard Fournette was uh, putting up some numbers there. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest part, right? It's a, The whole situation's not great for him. He's not a, above average player. You know, it's not like he can overcome these situations. And I just think the team has to try to work on fixing the run game. And they know Rashad White would be a big part of that, like not letting him have three over 300 carries. Like you, you can't or I guess he had 272, but over 300 touches, you can't expect that game to the running game to get any better if you're just leaning on him again. So I do think they bring in someone else. Uh, we'll see who that may be. But then if White's not getting the volume, then he's not going to be good for fantasy whatsoever because he's a full volume player. That's what you're playing him for. So if you do play in dynasty leagues and you have him on your roster, I think you got to trade him. Like you got to get him off your team before, uh, like right now, before the offseason, before free agency, before the draft, because I, I think he's going to lose a lot of value very quickly. Yeah. And he's a little redundant with what they had behind him and Chase Edmonds. So I, I th- that was kind of a receiving type back, right? So they're going to probably look to get that power back compliment. I mean, I think it's going to be out there. Many got as they could look at even in free agency if they want to go after there on the cheap end, maybe Zach Moss, someone of that level. And I could see him really cutting into his value. And the other thing is, usually these later round picks that have this type of volume, there's a fade coming. And I will bring up one of those guys a little later in the show. This episode of Locked on Fantasy Football is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Look, we can always get a little lost, and this is a tough time of year for many of us. It's winter. It's a little bit dark. It's a little bit cold outside, and we're trying to find ourselves and maybe trying to get on the right path when the spring comes, that we're ready, and we kind of have the good vibes and feelings that come with that. And sometimes you need a little help to get you there if you're lost and need that direction, what would you do if uh, you're out on the road somewhere? You would ask someone for help and get some direction and get back on the right track. And I think you can definitely know that you're going to get that benefit from seeking out a therapist. And look, I go to therapist. It's very helpful. It gets me on track when I'm a little bit lost as well. And I feel like I found something again. So we need to get something off our chest and a therapist is going to get that there for you. So it's important to let it out and really have someone who's unbiased in your life be there for you. So give online therapy a try. If you're not comfortable there with therapy in person, BetterHelp is going to help you there and uh, find that level that you need to get the directions you need. And really, it is uh, great. Their therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems here than just our favorite sports team not doing well. It's important to get things talking here. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible 
and suited to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, help, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. All right, Michelle and I have a couple more running backs, and these I think were also a little bit obvious, but we need to watch these guys for sure, what's going to go on. Maybe mine wasn't as, but I think you have a really good one here. We'll start talking about Joe Mixon. I really don't know what his future is going to be in Cincinnati, and I think that's also part of the concern, Michelle. Yeah, talk about uh, you know a running back that's terribly inefficient and inconsistent, and he has been his whole career. Uh, right. And that's again, Joe Mixon. He finished as a running back five. A, a lot of that due to he was one of the guys that stayed healthy this year. He got a, a lot, a lot of volume and it, he got nine rushing touchdowns. Right. He was somewhat involved in the receiving game as well with 64 targets. You'll take that. But, you know, he finished as RB 20 or worse in seven of his 17 fantasy football weeks of this past season, scored under nine fantasy points in five games and finished as a top five running back in just two weeks. And one of those weeks was week 18 where like no one's playing fantasy football. So really, he finished as a top five back one week this whole season. I just don't think he has enough upside for me and his his floor is too low as well. So there was six games this year. He had 20 plus touches. 20 touches is a ton. Yeah. He averaged 17.8 points per game and half PPR. That's a that's a fine total, right? You're going to be happy with that number. But to compare that workload with others like Raheem Moster and Brees Hall and Christian McCaffrey and Kyron Williams in games that they had 20 plus touches, they all average at least 23 points per game. So more than five points per game, more than Mixon in those situations. I just... Mixon's not it for me. He's just another guy with a big name. Um, and I just don't also understand how the Bengals wouldn't move on from him, right? They can save uh, nearly $6 million if they cut him uh, the, before next season. I just don't know how you don't do that because there's many other running backs out there that can do what Mixon can do for much cheaper. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to just Joe Mixon's role going forward. And remember, I think in a weird way, the Joe Burrow injury helped Joe Mixon because he was what was left. They had to lean on him quite a bit with Jake Browning in there, and he, he had to be the security blanket. He had to be the guy that they had to give touches to in key situations. But we know at the heart of the Bengals, they're a passing team. They want to throw the ball around. Mixon has been highly touchdown dependent with his fantasy production the past two years, and that's great, right? Playing with Joe Burrow and having that trickle down and being able to have those high leverage opportunities near the goal line. But now you look forward. I mean, maybe Chase Brown is a guy that they're excited about, right, going forward. And he's cheaper, he's versatile, and we saw that they were cutting into Mixon's work when they had Samaji P. Ryan. Maybe they didn't trust Chase Brown quite yet as a rookie, but then you saw what he could do down the stretch. So I really liked him coming out of Illinois. I think he's a good back that they can build on. And yeah, I think it's been very fickle with the Bengals. Last year, you thought they were going to part ways with Mixon. Didn't quite happen. Maybe they needed to trade him here. As you said, they could cut him. And he's one of those backs, Michelle, that he's not too exciting overall. Like it, you just, he's there and you look at the production, he's not going to win you a week. And we'll just call it that way. And then, and you mentioned his touches and his volume and staying healthy. As he gets older and that mileage is added up, like there's a good chance it really comes falling off in a steep decline here immediately because he's touched the ball a lot in his career and he was hurt early in his career and he's avoided that, but I think he's overdue for a breakdown. So there's that also coming into play here with Joe Mixon. 
Yeah, and he hasn't played behind a, a great line most of his career, yeah. right? So lots of hits on that body, hard hits too, because you know his running style too. Like, yeah, yeah, he kind of is a violent runner in terms of trying to pound through a little bit, and I think he's been really good for fantasy. Uh, I didn't expect him to be one of these guys that we saw for multiple seasons that was going to come through, but everything comes to an end, right? This window for these running backs are very tiny in fantasy football. I think that's where we're at with Joe Mixon. And now I will reveal my guy. Might be as obvious as my first one, but maybe not so much because he was very productive in this Lions running game, David Montgomery. Now, Montgomery had some big games early in the season. He had big multi-touchdown blow up, but he also missed some time. He had some injury issues. And when we saw that midseason, what happened, Michelle? The slow takeover of Jameer Gibbs happened. Now, Montgomery was still involved. He was scoring and doing his thing here, complimenting Jameer Gibbs, but it was no longer the split that we expected. It wasn't like a power versus receiving split, right? Yeah. Jameer Gibbs started getting alternating series with Dave Montgomery, and then it turned out to be Jameer Gibbs would t- end up touching the ball a lot. They would start the game early with Dave Montgomery, then all of a sudden, wait, Gibbs is the feature back. They kind of slow played Gibbs, not only for the season, but in the games, right? And then they realized, okay, this guy's explosive. He can take over. And maybe they did that by design to get his feet wet and like take some pressure off him and say, okay, you got fresh rookie legs. Come in here when the defense is worn down and be really effective. So that also came into play. But again, David Montgomery has had some injury issues going back to Chicago. He's a slightly older back as well. He did miss time last year. And I think he's just good. He's solid, but I don't consider him spectacular. I think a lot of that production last year he got because of the offensive line. So I think Jameer Gibbs is obviously a superior talent all around. And I think Gibbs is going to be more the alpha here and Montgomery may not get many as many scoring or really big play opportunities. Yeah, I still think with Ben Johnson there, like both running backs will have their role in this backfield, but we should see an increase of snaps from Gibbs. We just should. Like he's so talented. You took him very early in the draft. Like this should be a guy that you're leaning on if you're going to, what was it, the 12th overall pick they spent on yeah. Jameer Gibbs? You can't do that with a running back if he's not going to be your your main focus in the backfield, right? Like David Montgomery is going to get his. He's going to get some touches. He's plenty good, right? He can wear down the defense. He can score some touchdowns. But I do think they need to lower his usage a bit. Trust Jameer Gibbs, who you drafted so incredibly early. And also the same thing that you just brought up with injuries. He has struggled with injuries. I think that's a big reason why the Bears didn't want to resign him, right? And then in his very first year with the Lions, he also got a multi-week injury. And I feel like he even tried to rush himself back because he was worried about not getting his job back with Gibbs uh, looking so good. So yeah, running back 13, I don't see that next year. I'll probably have him ranked around running back 20, 24. So I do see a pretty big drop off from him. And he probably won't be on any of my dream, uh, any of my fantasy teams next year, unless he's dropping super late in drafts. Yeah, I was fortunate I got him as well in another league. I just added him again, middle round pick. And I think I, looking back, I should have seen this, the way the backfield was going to go, where Montgomery was going to be a big factor early. They were going to work in Jameer Gibbs, but you saw that. I mean, you mentioned that he finished as RB13. I mean, it was kind of a opposite trajectory there for Jameer Gibbs. He started out like this, and then he, at one point, Jameer Gibbs – they met somewhere here, and then Jameer Gibbs kept going, and Dave Montgomery kind of leveled off. So it's kind of might be kind of surprising, actually, based on his production. 
even by average scoring with that missed time, that he was not an RB1. I mean, the, given the way he started, he was rolling. He had that big three-touchdown game, I think it was, early in the season. And he's like, okay, you're looking really good here. But you knew, as a Montgomery manager, that Gibbs was coming and looming. And I really wanted Gibbs. And I kind of picked Montgomery because I didn't get Gibbs early in their draft. I was fortunate that Montgomery was still productive enough to help me win that. So, yeah, I'm going to be all in on Gibbs. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see what he can do. And, again, Montgomery – Mostert, I mean, they're just a victim of some really talented young guys that are right behind them. Yeah, I'll say in our last segment, our last guys, both of us picked very spicy players, young players who both finished top three in fantasy points at the running back position this year. And we're calling them a fade for next year. Uh, So we're going to get into that in just a moment. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet that wins. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. My favorite player prop for tonight's uh, slate of NBA games is LeBron James. I have over 39 and a half combined points, assists, and rebounds against the Warriors. It's always a fun game between Steph Curry and LeBron James, so I'm super excited to watch it. I should also going to add that I'm 2-0 so far in my NBA prop bet advice, and I have a feeling that my boy LeBron will not disappoint tonight uh, in such a big game. To get in on the action, just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. To shoot your shot, FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NBA. I tease at the top of this segment here that Vinny, especially yours, I think yours is super, super spicy here. So let's start with your guy because I actually disagree with you. So we're going to have a little bit of debate here with yours. Yeah, my guy is Kyron Williams, and it's really not about the player, but it's about the coach. And we had this interesting conversation where we were breaking down Kyle Pitts at tight end, and I was like, okay, I'm going to coach like the Rams. And if I could coach him like the Rams, I'm going to put him in the slot and get the high-level production from him. But Kyron Williams, if I'm going to coach like the Rams, I'm like, who's the next running back up? Uh, I'm going to look for another guy here because Sean McVay – doesn't always have a lot of uh, commitment to his running backs. The only guy he's had that to in his career has been Todd Gurley, right? Every year it's been a different guy. Okay, do I like Daryl Henderson? No, I don't like him. I'm going to go to Cam Akers. Oh, wait, these guys can't stay healthy. Kyron Williams wasn't healthy. Oh, no, he's hurt now. He's coming back. And Kyron Williams was also on the injured list last year and missed some key time for fantasy managers. He still ended up had some big, big weeks. He averaged RB6. I mean, that tells you a lot about that. And RB2 overall behind Christian McCaffrey in half-point PPR. So I just don't think this is the type of back that sustains. And I think you just look at the history of late-round running backs that are taken and fit a system well and get jobs by default. Like you look at Damian Pierce is an example that I have. He was very productive. I know he wasn't at this level, but quickly things changed for him, and that was it. We've seen it even... Going back, I mean, James Robinson is another good example. He came out of nowhere. He was awesome in fantasy for like a year and a half. Then the team got tired. He broke down, and that was it. He bounced around to several teams. So I think Kyron Williams is a very talented back, but 
I think he's going to get drafted way too high. We're going to look at this number and say, oh, yeah, he's really productive. He's a Rams lead back. But remember how we felt about Cam Akers? Oh, he's a sleeper. He's on the board. And then before you know it, Cam Akers is not even on the team. So I just don't trust the Rams too much here. And Sean McVay, he's going to find a flavor of the month, an explosive back, someone that he sees in the draft that he wants to go after, stash him. And sometimes it could be a John Kelly type, and he just fades away, and we'd never see him, and there's all this buzz around him. Sometimes it's a Kyron Williams type, but I, again, this is more not trusting the Rams and also the history of these late-round backs that tend to fade, especially if they have high volume, and this is not the most durable running back either. What I do love about Kyron Williams' season is that immediately he got the workload, right? Sean McVay wasn't messing around. He was like, bye, Cam Akers. Like, this is Kyron Williams' team now all of a sudden. And then also once he got injured and came back, immediately his team again. Now, when he was out, they kind of did the split backfield. They didn't lean on just one guy. They split it up. As soon as Williams was back, it went right back to him, and he was it. I do think Sean McVay really, really likes Kyron Williams. I think he's going to be the true lead back of this Rams offense, and I think it's going to be, as long as Matthew Stafford's back and healthy, Like I think this offense is going to continue to thrive with all these young players plus Matthew Stafford. And I will say, like he was, I think he's different than – the other typical late round draft picks like James Robinson, like Robinson was just a guy, right? You could see that even when he was scoring fantasy points, like you kind of were like, I don't know how he's doing this, but okay. He's putting up fantasy points. When you watch Kyron Williams, he looks so good and he was so good in school, right? I think the only reason he fell so far, he had like the weirdest 40 yard of all time. It was like 4.7 uh, time seconds for the 40 yard dash. But when he's out there, it's not even close to that. So I don't know what, I don't know if he didn't train for the 40 yard, he got a bad start. I don't know what happened there, but he's a speedster. So the 4.7 doesn't make any sense. I do think that's why he fell. I think he's a really good running back and I will be one of those people drafting him probably way too high. Yeah. I, I just think that's an unreasonable expectation to go back right back up there and score. And I think you also have to keep in mind the volatility of running backs. We know last year, I mean, yeah. Christian McCaffrey worked out, but something happened with most of the top backs that you targeted in drafts last year, just the attrition of the position and Kyron Williams. Again, if he was the most durable guy, I would trust him a little bit more, but again, it's just part of the history of that particular position on that particular team. And, Again, I don't, I'm not going to go in and say I want to take him as a second running back off the board. Now, if you get down a little bit and slides down, and we talked about some guys that would be really appealing to replace him, including Jonathan Taylor, right? We're excited about what he can do out of the draft. I would take Jonathan Taylor ahead of him. I mean, maybe there's not too many guys I would take and feel comfortable, but I would be a little bit on edge. Like if I had to choose between Kyron Williams and a top wide receiver at some point, I might go wide receiver. I, I don't see him as that talent I'm going to bang the table for but if he slides a little bit in, in drafts I mean go to RB 7 to 10 I don't see that happening but if that's the case then I feel a little bit more comfortable that I don't have to pay a premium but if I have to take him in the early second round there's no way I'm doing that yeah there's one guy I don't want to pay up for uh he was a running back three overall this past year it's Travis Etienne now I don't think he's going to go in the first round address but I do think he'll start to see him in the second round I, I'm not, it makes me sad because I really like him as a player, but he's not, he's not consistent enough for me. I should say that, but also he's not as efficient as I would like to see him either, but 
so he ends up running back three, right, last year. But weeks one through eight, he was on a tear. He was so good, averaging 18.8 points per game and half PPR, behind only Christian McCaffrey from weeks one through eight. He was averaging nearly 19 carries a game, over 100 scrimmage yards per game, had eight scrimmage touchdowns during that time. But then we saw a massive drop-off in the second half of the season. From weeks 9 through 18, he averaged just 11.4 points per game. He saw way less volume at just 13 carries per game. His yards went way down. His touchdowns split in half. He only had four touchdowns over the second half of the season compared to the first half at eight. And with him, it's like he did still get targets. It doesn't feel like he gets enough targets, but he did get 73 targets. He got 476 receiving yards. That's plenty enough for a fantasy running back to make you feel good about drafting him high. But I will say it's for him, it comes so much down to the touchdowns. And if he doesn't score, he's just not really doing it for you because the yardage and the efficiency is not there. Yeah, and he kind of had a tale of two seasons last year. I mean, he was very productive in the first half, and they got their passing game a little bit going. In the second half, the touchdowns didn't come as easily. And the frustrating thing is I really thought they were going to use Etienne kind of as that receiving back. We all projected him, okay, he's like Alvin Kamara. He's going to get 80 receptions and put up like 700 yards right every year. That part is not in play. And I think when you look at half-point and full-point PPR, you really need that because – Again, we don't want a player of this caliber to be touchdown dependent. I get it with older backs, Mostert, Montgomery. That was part of their value, right, intrinsically. But when you look at Etienne, he should be a lot more than that. I really think they've underused him, and part of this is this offense. With Doug Peterson, Press Taylor, they're not over-creative. They're just art. In terms of changing up roles and getting people in space. I think they could use him as a guy that they line up wide a little bit. They just don't do all that kind of creative things that you want with Travis Etienne to maximize his talent and and value. So, yeah, I just don't see him repeating again. It's just the nature of this guy was really high. I I think there's a good chance he even goes ahead of Kyron Williams because of the name, right? That Etienne, people are excited, just like we remember him in college and Clemson, and it's his teammate, Trevor Lawrence, and he's got a name. So, yeah, I, I'm not feeling it too much for Travis Etienne again. I think he, I've never seen a back miscast quite a bit, and the Jaguars seem to be okay with it. Yeah, and it does seem like they would like someone else in the backfield with Travis Etienne, right? It felt like going into last season they were trying to push that. Tank Bigsby got all the, yeah. you know, the love in the preseason, and he didn't end up panning out, and they didn't really have someone that could – Spare, uh, share a backfield with him. They didn't have anyone worthy of that. I do think maybe they try to find that this year as well, which would only end up hurting him more. But yeah, Etienne's not a guy I'm looking to draft early in the first in the first round at all. But also, I'm not even looking towards him in the second round yeah. either. I don't believe. Maybe I'll change my mind during the offseason. But right now, that's where I stand. That is it for today's show. Thank you to you all for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Every day, as Vinny and I will be back tomorrow discussing our biggest fades at the wide receiver position. You don't want to miss it. Bye, y'all. See you.